If you'd like to contact the show, send us an email at liveonfourlegspodcast at gmail.com or follow us on any of our social media accounts on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at liveonfourlegspodcast and on Twitter at liveonfourlegspod. When they asked if we would be interested in playing here again, I, uh, um, when uh, we said we'd have to sleep on it, and then that night I woke up in the middle of the night with a dream that, that the Chicago Tribune was thrown on a doorstep and on the cover it said, it said Pearl Jam, it says lightning strikes twice. And Wrigley Field is not, it'll make you work, it'll make you, it's not gonna go easy, it's not a loose, it's not a cheap date, it's not a loose woman. Wrigley Field, you, if with patience, dedication, determination, she sometimes gives it up. <laughs> And away we go. You're listening to Live on Four Legs, the live Pearl Jam podcast experience featuring Mr. Stone Gossett. Fucking camera in the truck. Hey everybody now, welcome to Live on Four Legs, a definitive live Pearl Jam podcast, and welcome back to our third week of Wrigley Week this week, and we are covering night two of 2016, because last week we did night one of 2016, we are going in order, as you've seen, I'm sure you're paying attention, I'm sure you're, you know, following along, and uh, this is right smack dab in the middle of our Wrigley month, and uh, yeah, let's get right to it. John is here, but also... hello. we have another guest with us today, returning to the podcast for the first time in the John era where Matt and John are interacting with each other. It's been since episode, I don't know, was it 35, 40, something like that, Sh- the Charlotte show that we did probably May or March, something in, in 2019, whenever it was, this is the first time that we have Matt and John on the same show so welcome back to the show, Matt. Hello, sir. Yes, this is uh, this is great because the last two that I've done have been very easy. This is another. This is going to be another easy show. I'll put it that way. So is that is that all we bring you on for? We have to just bring you on for easy stuff, and that that's it. And and no, I just I think I think that's the way the 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 dice have rolled lately. Or, You're saying, or you we know, don't want do anybody. Or we don't want anybody to remember the old cynical, critical Matt. Is it that? That's that's back when you're doing shows from every single era and every single time frame. (laughs) Right now, you're like, how about the shows that you went to? And I'm like, 
I happen to really enjoy the shows that I went to, so definitely. Yeah, right. No, oh, I, I haven't forgotten. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get into something. Uh, look. Now I listen to the bootlegs that I've been to, and I'm like, yeah, this this kicked ass. Well, there's a couple of there's a couple of debates that we're going to get to in this. And why don't first John last week you were telling the story about you just being in Chicago. Is there any follow up on just the day of night 2 and you know like I I know you were walking around the city and and things like that. Is there anything we need to know story-wise of of this night for you? A little bit. So, yeah, again, you know, I talked about being on the train and how it's kind of like having having a moment, you know, remembering all like the songs and the bands I've heard talk about it and like everything you've seen and like all the movies and stuff. And I'm just having a cool moment by myself. And so I got there and uh, my seats were up on like where kind of third base meets left field, kind of high up a little bit, still in the bottom level, but a little higher up. So I I thought they were thought they were better seats. You know, I had a pretty good view. But the funny thing was I saw a lot of the same people that I that saw happens. on night one over on my yes. other seat. So I was like, oh, we must all have about the same number. So right. uh, n- n- nice to see you guys again. So that was cool. But, yeah, just, uh, again, just the same kind of anticipation. You know, you always know night two shows are, are going to be where they let loose a little bit and, and get a little crazy. So I was, I was definitely excited. So, Matt, you are not at night one. This is your one and only for this tour. Uh, so I'm uh, I'm a no- notorious night two guy, as you know. You are, yeah. We've talked about that before. So you and Steve, it, this it's is normally not. It's it's out of my control for the most part, usually. But well, you have such a hectic schedule as it is, and right now that's probably had, not really had. the case, right? But <laughs> no. Uh, no. The hope is that it gets back to that that soon enough. But yeah, like just you getting out there for one show is actually pretty impressive, considering the schedule that I, that I know you'd have. Yeah, it just happened to work out for the night too. And uh, I've been to Chicago like a hundred times, so I was very much looking forward to going back. And uh, Steve, my brother, who everyone has heard, uh, he was in Milwaukee only about I'd say about an hour and a half from from Wrigley Field, so. I was driving back with him that night, staying over, and then I was flying out of Milwaukee the next day. So it was super easy and uh, and uh, very pleasant. And Chicago is the best. Uh, I I kind of did the same thing. I well, you know, I I could have gone in, gone right to Wrigleyville, and gotten the poster and all that stuff. But um, I just ended up staying in the city because I love the city. Uh, and my phone died also. Uh, oh, that is a yeah, theme so, at Wrigley shows. So, so what happened was I killed my battery on my flight, and I had a wireless charger, not knowing that my wireless charger was busted and wouldn't hold a charge. <gasps> killed my battery, and then uh, I had to say, okay, well, do I make my way up to Wrigleyville to get the posters and stuff, or do I stay here and charge my phone? So I, I had to sit in a Starbucks for about two hours while my well, my old phone charged, and uh, by then I was like, you know what, it's not worth it to go back and forth. So I just spent the day in the city, went up, and then uh, let me tell you, it was a it was a zoo uh, up by Wrigley Field. So uh, you know, you you make a thousand friends. Uh, in, yeah, uh, you're in about ten minutes at these right. Things. You're <laughs> in such close proximity that it's almost impossible not to. Yeah, it's uh, 
every now and then you kind of you could look around and you see somebody who has no idea what's going on but <laughs> 90 percent of the people in the area are all there for the same thing so it's, yeah, it's pretty pretty wild but you know wrigley's the kind of place where everybody's really they're paying attention around the city i feel like sometimes in new york like there are events and certain things going on and people just kind of look like what the hell's going on over there i feel like chicago right. the whole city it's not like it shuts down, but they're they're privy to the knowledge that hey, Pearl Jam's in town. Like this is a big one. They're you know they they know what's going on more. Uh, yeah, and that that whole area with the bars, that whole stretch, like kind of revolves around the baseball season. And mm-hmm. if something's going on at Wrigley, you know about it because you know, <laughs> especially when someone like Pearl Jam comes in for two nights, uh, you're probably going to be. Uh, uh, doing very well uh with business so yes and uh, a lot of these bands a lot of these bars you couldn't even get into i mean it was you know you'd be lucky to go up and get a quick miller light you know that was if you were lucky so uh i'm sure they love it (laughs) yeah no that's 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 making good business there but even even so like going the extra mile things like you know murphy's or bleachers one of those places actually putting on their yeah. little uh marquee in the front saying uh welcome home ed you know uh pearl jam tonight like they- i believe um i believe eddie was wearing a murphy's shirt uh yeah as well I, th- I think he was that was what a, a couple days after they did the little rooftop session that was on let's play too mm. So yeah, sounds, sounds right. Yeah, him and uh, him and the the owner, I think, had a have have a good friendship, and they they talked a little bit about it in the movie. And and I mean, the movie's great. Every everybody's seen the movie. If you haven't, go go watch the movie. It's fantastic. But uh, all right, let's uh, let's segue into the show in just a second. Let's kind of inform the fans of some things that are going on, and obviously. Like we said, we're knee deep in in the middle of Wrigley month, and yesterday we released our episode with Jonathan Cohen, and he got to hear a lot of fantastic stories with him and uh, writing the PJ Twenty book and some things on the Tonight Show and his experience being on the side stage at Wrigley. So a lot of great stuff there. If you haven't listened to that one, check it out as soon as you can. And just our guests this month have been freaking amazing. John Evans. If you haven't listened to him yet, I mean. He's if you if you probably recognize the name, he's the guy that was first in line and was waiting in line uh, uh night one of 2016, and he was able to get to the front. And Danny Clinch documented it, and uh, he got release dedicated to him. And it's one of the most legendary Pearl Jam fan stories that there is. So if you haven't listened to that one yet, go back and listen to that one. And then our first one with Stephen Hyden, also like these are great a guests people if you haven't listened to them yet get to them they're awesome and uh next week john we have more of the same more great guests so do you want to give people a little uh hint as to who they're seeing next week well yeah i think if you if you listen to pearl jam radio at all you'll recognize his voice it's going to be the rob from pearl jam radio yeah rob bleedstein is coming on and he's uh he's going to talk about just basically Wrigley shows in general, whatever stories pop up. And I, there's one or two stories that I think 
we're kind of expecting, but you know what? We don't really know what to expect with him. So he's coming on as well as a friend uh, who many fans know. His name is Bob Krause, and uh, there was a little project going on during one of the Wrigley show uh, weeks. So we'll we'll talk to him about that, and, you know, stories plenty. You know that there's no lack of stories when it comes to him and and you know, all the stuff that he does on PGA radio. So that's going to be really interesting. So check that out. That's going to come out next Tuesday and uh, more stories that we want to hear are from you guys. So next week we're going to record our fan mail episode. And if you haven't gotten a story to us yet, there's still time. I would say the cutoff date is really probably going to be the 20th, but if you really can't make the 20th and you want to make the 25th, that's still good too. Try to get it to us within that, you know, uh, anything from either 2013, 2016, 2018, anything from those shows. It could be long. It could be short. We just want to hear from you guys live on 4LexPodcast at gmail.com and let us know your Wrigley stories. So one more thing before we really dig knee deep into the show and that is patreon and we just want to thank two new patrons this week david ritter and julia feller so thank you very much for two new patrons and matt since you're here why don't you tell them the project that we worked on for a couple weeks before we actually got this uh together so how'd this all come about uh are you talking about the the fantastic giveaway that you guys are doing the giveaway indeed yeah, um, well, I don't know if everyone out there is, um, you know, up on the news, but, you know, we, we have a pretty massive, uh, uh, you know, pandemic going on. <laughs> and in case you didn't know, uh, a lot of places require you wear face masks now. So um, Randy thought, why don't we make a face mask? And I said, that's a great idea. And he said, how about it looks like this? And I said... That's an even better idea. <laughs> and we came out with a pretty good looking face mask, I think. I think it's pretty yeah, badass. They look fantastic. Yeah, I I was <laughs> really impressed by him and obviously this is my uh, but, parents' company that makes the mask, so you know I'm right, a little right. biased. All, all joking all aside, yeah. But no, they they came out great. And all joking aside, no, we wanted to of course, uh me still being in the in the the group that wants to give back because, you know, Everyone that has uh, uh, stuck along and taken the ride with the podcast are fantastic. So uh, it's it's a nice thing to do, especially when there's a, there's a lot of people, myself included, kind of you know down on the luck right now. You know, there's a lot of people out of work, and I think things like this uh, people look forward to weekly, and um, I think people look forward to uh, almost like a, a friendship with the people that they're listening to. And I think things like this are, are a great idea. So I was super happy to help with it. And again, if you haven't seen the design. It wasn't it wasn't like a hard design, but I think it took some back and forth to get it right because we wanted to get it right. Yeah, and it, I think it looks great, and I'm super happy with how they came out. Yeah, if if wear, wear, wear your wear your damn masks. Okay? Wear your please. damn masks. That is the with talking with Doctor John Evans. That is the most important thing that came out of that conversation with all of the stuff that he talked about, all the emotions being at that show. The most important thing that came out of that conversation was wear your goddamn mask. Yes. So, yeah, it's 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 a thank you to everybody during this time because I know how difficult it is for some people. And, you know, we just uh, we just want to say thank you. And, and now there's no excuse. So if you weren't wearing a mask before, now you have absolutely no excuse. So we're going to get these masks sent so- out. 
pretty soon. But yeah, I was I was actually wondering how uh, how will people be able to get said mask? Are they available only for Patreon, or is there a way that other people can get them? Well, right now they're only going to be for Patreon, and that's because we have a. a you know, we we did this as as a thank you for getting fifty patrons, and we mm. only ordered sixty masks. So there is room for more, but we also, you know, there are going to be some patrons that might not get back to us. That you know, uh, we might have a, a couple left over here and there. So we are going to try and get everybody that's joining in july we are going to try to get them a mask during this time period so far so good i think we'll be able to get everybody uh a mask that that they need but uh yeah so if there are a couple left over maybe we'll do a giveaway maybe we'll do something else maybe it'll be for the next patrons in august and we'll just keep you know, we'll keep going until we don't have any more. So, uh, yeah, the best way to get one is to head on over to patreon.com slash live on four legs or download the Patreon app because the Patreon app is much easier to use than the Patreon website. So do that. Search for live That's on four legs. Horrible. horrible. It, yeah, it's pretty bad. So we have two different tiers, the bonus tier, the bonus leg tier and the giggle leg, leg tier. You get a lot of stuff. John, there's a lot of different episodes that we do. Do you want to tell them? I mean, most people that tune in, they they know what we're doing. So, <laughs> yeah, but you know, just just for that small amount, you get access to our evolution episodes. We take a deep dive into a certain song and how it's evolved and changed over the years. Different versions, you know, different tags and things. It's a lot of fun. We're actually we've got a poll going on right now to determine the next song that we're going to cover. We've got our bridge school episodes. You know, all year we're we're covering each bridge school in chronological order. That's been a lot of fun. We've got our night two from 1999 coming out soon, so be on the lookout for that. We've also got our set list drafts and our Devo episodes where we just kind of do fun stuff. And occasionally we just post kind of random things there. So uh, definitely thanks to all our patrons who've, who've stayed with us during the summer. And uh, definitely uh, thanks to those new patrons for joining up. And it's, it means a lot. Thank you. Well said, sir. All right. I think we got everything out of the way that we needed to get to. Now we can get to the rock. So coming off of night one, I thought night one was terrific. Uh, yeah, maybe a little bit too many covers and we've, we covered the covers and, uh, we're going to cover more covers today, but they come out and Ed prefaces by saying, this is going to be a long night, which Yes, it was a very long night. So the opener here is going to lead to our first debate of the night because anybody that remembers the old school original formation of Live on Four Legs knows that there is somebody in particular that does not like this song. That would be me. Yeah, uh huh. Yeah, huh. You're on. You're on. You're in the spotlight <laughs> right now. So they open up with oceans, and are you just like, oh, screw this show. I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm out of here. No, um, no. And and I'll tell you why I got actually kind of excited was, um, so they started, and Steve also knowing that I was never a big fan of the song, he he grabbed me and starts laughing and I'm like oh brother literally because he's my brother, oh, and, brother. Uh, but but like having seen what they had done you know, uh, on the on the 20th I said all right um, I mean on paper the 20th is is a show that I would really like for the most part even though it, yeah it is a lot of covers and it is a lot of hits 
Um, it's just a fast-moving, fast-paced set. So I'm thinking to myself, well, let's get through Oceans, and then I bet uh, we're going to see some kind of wild things happen. And I, I get through Oceans. I think I was right. Well, yeah, let's not yeah. let's not get the revisionist history here. I think your quote was "Oceans is not a real song." That, that, that's it's, the quote. It's, it's yeah. It's got like it's got like three words in it, and then that's, um, that's just not true. And it's, then it's got it's like poetry, and then it's got about um, you know like six minutes of jamming, but it's not really a jam either. So it's a. I, I it's like you a, appreciate. I mean, the song was written like. Ed was like locked outside the the rehearsal space. He could only hear the bass, so that's why like the the vocal line goes along with the bass line. Yeah, this is a very so bass actually that's, song, that's, that's the that's the part that I uh, dislike the most. I really dislike the bass, and Eddie should have just managed his time better and gotten there when uh, when the door was open. To be honest, <laughs> I think he went out. For <laughs> I a can't break believe we're arguing. <laughs> no, but um, it's I mean that's really. I'm kind of just looking over the set again. Um, I'm, I'm pretty positive from here on out. Uh, that was it. Oh, but yeah, I knew I, mean, I knew that was going to be pretty funny because uh, everyone knows that I don't like the non-song versions. I, this is the second time I'd heard it this year. They had opened with it in Columbia, South Carolina, when I saw them back in April this year. And oh, it's it's fantastic! Like you know, like we've talked about with Oceans, they only use it when it's going to be one of those special kind of memorable shows. So I and this I was, is kind of a special memorable. This is like a special, memorable uh, first, like five songs. Really, this is this is really wild, cool stuff. Oh yeah, I mean, so. I'll, I'll say I've got I've got eight holy shit moments in this set. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, and the next one is is coming up very soon. I will we'll go through them as as they come. But okay. yeah, the, I remember just thinking like, just yeah, here we go. Yeah, it was this. This was. Uh, I don't want to spend too much time here but this was one of the most interesting shows i've ever seen in my life and i think a lot of people might agree yeah and all of the interesting stuff that i think like that pops out set list wise that you aren't gonna see in almost any other set this is like you said the first these five songs right here that's where it all comes from so oceans goes in the footsteps number two song in and you don't usually hear footsteps. Now, they did it in Safeco. Two years later, they would do it. And after that, you kind of you kind of realize, okay, maybe this is something they can play around with. But footsteps is never in the top 30. This is usually the encore cooldown kind of song. So this has to be a moment where you're thinking to yourself, okay, game on. Anything can happen in this one. Holy shit moment number one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely wild, and it kind of it kind of only builds from there for the next like two songs as well. It doesn't. Uh, this holy shit moment kind of keeps going. Yeah, yeah I, I think about like I don't think they've they've probably never opened up a show with oceans and footsteps back to back. No, and those two songs have been around for the duration of yeah. the band's history. Yeah, just hearing it's audible. the The reaction from the crowd is audible, where you just hear. The shock, like the shock value in this, it's to, you can, by listening to the bootleg, you can see the crowd all look at each other and just going, what? Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. And and there's, and it's, and there's more too. There's more shock. There's more kind of, what is, what's waiting for us? Because, (laughs) you know, it's right. This is a weird, this is a weird one. 
and footsteps too a lot of the time like it's they'll do that kind of more like up-tempo kind of folkier version but this was like an old school like kind of sparse and dark mm-hmm. version of it like the song i think needs space and it needs like room to breathe you know and i thought this was great just one of the one of the best versions of footsteps i've seen yeah, and it does have the harmonica in it, and I think the harmonica sounds really good bit. with what they're doing, but you're right, it has more of an old-school style to it. So, look, ballpark atmosphere, everybody's singing this. I saw this a couple weeks beforehand. I saw this at Fenway. It was in the usual spot, so it wasn't as quite of a holy shit moment, but this is, you know, the same sort of thing, the same vibe here. That show opened up with Pendulum into Nothing As It Seems. Nothing As It Seems is not a top three song, not usually. So that, kind of the same, and the similarities will continue on because the next song has the same similarity. So Ed shouts out the folks at the top and the people on the Wrigleyville rooftop. He mentions watching the Cubs on black and white TV, uh, which we've talked about before, and then he mentions... That when he was young, it was the first time he was up at at the rooftop and it was the first time. And he very descriptively uh, describes the two people that he saw using the smoking utensil uh, with the very, very short cutoff shorts, cutoff jean shorts. And um, (laughs) and he says this is the first time that he ever saw a bong, which is is funny. So uh, but the next Next one in this little section right here is Off He Goes, and they did the same thing at Fenway, but, again, another one, not part of your top three get-you-going kind of songs. Um, yeah, Off He Goes is, like, it's a little more upbeat, but, oh, yeah, anything off a of no-code this early, like, I'm already, I'm thinking, like, okay, 90 songs, cool, I, I wonder how long this is going to go. 90 songs and, is, that is a key phrase right there. Yeah. We will get to that yeah. in much Absolutely. later. But, yeah, just such a cool opening. Like, I, I couldn't have asked for anything better to get to get Off He Goes, one of my favorite all-time songs. It's it's in my top ten. Yeah, it was a fantastic performance. It's beautiful, and I remember uh, especially when the next song hits uh, during this time, you know, you get two songs in, and you get an Eddie rant, and then they go, they go into Off He Goes and I just remember Steve and I are like are, are they are they fucking with us right now? Like I think they're fucking with everybody in Chicago right now and but we're into it we're like because you know it's you, you don't know what's gonna happen and and then the, the the fourth song comes up and we're like yeah they're fucking with us get ready to just sweat your ass off for the rest of the night <laughs> yeah this is not your average show I mean Night one is fantastic, but night one is more of a by the book show when you're thinking predictable. This is this is the contrast. This is 100% the contrast to night one. The first, the night one show is for everybody. This is for, you know, people in your corporate suites. This is for people that have lived in Chicago and have never seen Pearl Jam before and want the experience. It's night two is for the daughter. It's the daughter, Jeremy. It's the daughter, Jeremy back to back show. That's that's what night one is. Not saying that the rest of night one isn't phenomenal because it is but oh there's so many um, great moments for night one but this is right but this is specifically tailored for the serious collector for the serious it's a fan show this is the one where you say i am really glad i flew out this morning from long island to come see the show because holy shit that's right yeah 
Absolutely. And by the way, if you didn't take that ticket, I would have been the one flying out. I would have found a way. Oh, of course. I don't think I of had the course. vacation days in 2016, but I would have found a way. To you would do have just it. quit. You would have just quit your job. <laughs> I mean, I was essentially one foot out the door anyway, so it really doesn't matter. But. Exactly. All right, so another holy shit moment right here that I'm assuming that this is a holy shit moment for you, John. Oh, yeah, number two. Okay. This is this is number one for me. Okay, so Better Man, fourth song in. I don't know if they've ever played Better Man this early in a set in a show that's not a bridge school show or, you know, a, a, an acoustic setting or something like that. So... I, you just, again, it's with the crowd and the crowd's shock and awe to just hear those notes in, in the beginning. And, and the first the first night they play the song and it's wild. It's ridiculous because he goes on a rant for about five minutes about T-shirts. And this is like, all right, it's a different version now. <laughs> They're ready to just freaking blow you away with this. This was fantastic and completely, completely unexpected. Yeah, you I mean it. I just remember. I mean, I can remember being in the building and hearing them start it, and just everyone around me going like, "Whoa!" And yeah, it's it's. I mean, it, just talk about a way to get a crowd into a show early. Like this is normally like the small town, you know, part of the set or something like that. But yeah, to get this early, I mean, it again. We're everyone around me was just blown away. Like, what are we in for tonight? You know. I think. Uh... I think blown away is is kind of putting it mildly for myself. Right. I, I will say um, I'm really glad that this version is the one that they ended up with on the album because um, hands down, best Better Man I've ever heard in my life. This is my favorite Better Man of all time. Wow. Of all time. No tag. Uh, uh, Randy, remember we had gotten to a bit of a debate the last show that I did with Steve and I said it was a run-of-the-mill kind of passionless better man this right. is the literal exact opposite of that no tag all you have is a, a screaming mic so one of the best mic solos i've ever heard it's catchy it goes with the song and it's not too long it's it's perfect and and then you add where it is in the set best one best one hands down and uh yeah i, I don't even have to think twice yeah, about it you know Love they're it. they're in a good mood like you you get Ed walking over and he kind of jams his mic a little bit. They do that thing where, where I talk about where they kind of like go head to head and like bounce a little bit and get get in sync and exactly. Ed doing the windmills and like yeah they were they they knew they were in for a special night. And uh, right before the solo starts, he cues him with the uh, "Go Mike Go," which I I listen to that. I wait for that every time I hear it on the album when I have you know Pearl Jam playing and this comes on. Uh, it's like I hear it for the first time every time, and it blows me away every time. Best. I one. love those little things. Those I'll, little, I'll, little I'm going to fight anybody who disagrees. <laughs> I, I, I'll, I'll have your back on that because those those are the little <laughs> things that you just remember about shows. Just you remember them saying things, and it's almost off microphone or or just things that other people aren't going to remember just by listening to your average bootleg. This is this is something that you'll remember forever where you were where you were sitting how how you were taking it in and you'll always remember that moment Listen. 
So that's like your four right there. And then you get just Ed just kind of getting that echo into the mic, singing the lyrics for some And, and it was rolling because Chicago in the summer is hot as hell. So yeah, uh, it, it gets balmy in there real quick. <laughs> we'll put it that way. Ah, uh, yeah, I remember the the summer days that I've been in Chicago and a hundred percent. Oh yeah, uh, and that is a segue into corduroy. And and John, you kind of have a theory like why you know, and and this is something that they used as a little bit of a tease back when they were doing Lollapalooza in 92, and they hadn't done it in 796 shows in between. So they're bringing it back for the first time in, what, like 24 years or something like that. Oh, and, yeah. And you have, like, a little theory. So nobody talks about kind of the relationship connection that Pearl Jam has with Jane's Addiction at all. Yeah, and I I think I, I remember hearing Summertime Rolls and thinking it kind of clicked in my head, like, oh, yeah, Jane's Addiction, like, we seem that they've kind of gotten lost because like they had that kind of weird reunion that was not very well received. And like, they've, they've kind of been lost because they were in that middle section, but I was 10 years old in, in 1988. So I was a little young, but I had a couple of older cousins who were super into Jane's addiction. You think back to, you know, people out there, if you were around, you remember 1988, 89, 1990, like those were huge records, like nothing shocking and ritual, like, that was kind of the beginning of alternative music. And like, they were kind of the arty weird kind of rock band, they were like, wild, kind they of were the antithesis wild. to guns and roses, you know, where guns and roses was like the tough guys, you know, heavy metal, blah, blah, blah. But Jane's addiction was more like gender fluid. And like, you know, there's, there's, there's mystery to it. And like, they're weird and you don't really know what's going on. And I think they were a huge influence on Pearl jam at the beginning. I think, and I think even if you, you know, I went back and listened today, you know, I went back and, and dug a little deeper, listened to some deep cuts, like Pigs in Zen and Ocean Size, like Had a Dad, like Classic Girl, going back and listening to some Jane's Addiction. And, oh, yeah, the the imprints from 10 are all over that thing. You know, just, I mean, we kind of forget because you think of Mother Love Bone and you think of Soundgarden and Alice in Chains. But just as much as that, I think Jane's Addiction was an influence early on on them. So, I think it was great of them to to tie back into like and going back to yeah Perry from Jane's Addiction started Lollapalooza that I was, was where Pearl Jam kind of got that. their big break and I thought yeah I thought this was just another I don't know how many how many people picked up on it that this was like a callback again to to the 90s like it just fits in perfectly with this set and yeah listening back to it it, it like I said sometimes you, some listening to these bootlegs it just kind of like sits you on your ass a little bit you kind of like whoa stop and like this is one of the things where i was like oh yeah like there's a reason he did that and oh yeah i thought it was fantastic i it, you know if, if people if you if you've never done like the deep dive into jane's addiction like there's only a couple of records like yeah they they kind of have like a weird relationship because they didn't really fit in with anything that was going on at the time mm-hmm. but yeah I mean, it, they were huge like those those couple of records if you were into like that underground scene because like punk rock had kind of died in the late 80s so like the metal had come up but like jane's addiction kind of hybridized all that stuff but yeah they they weren't afraid to be weird and arty and i think that was a big influence on especially like ed and jeff and kind of wanting to be more of that kind of artier rock band than just being like a dumb guns and roses 
ripoff, you know. When we talked to Stephen Hyden, one of the things that I brought up with him, and it might have been something that missed the cut in the regular episode but made the Patreon version, was that uh, he had mentioned in Celebration Rock, in uh, the podcast that he used to do, that, like you said, Jeff had gone to a Jane's Addiction show with, I believe, Mark Arm or Steve Turner while they were in Green River, and he said... This is what I want. This is what I want. Pearl, uh, not Pearl Jam, but this is what I want out of a career. This kind of crowd, this kind of, you know, this kind of style of music. This is, this is what I'm aiming for. And, uh, you know, I think they had a little bit of a falling out with those guys because the guys at Mudhoney didn't really see it the same way. So, you know, you had, yeah. you know, Stone and Jeff kind of split off and ended up doing Mother Love Bone and Mud Honey uh, developed out of that. So, you know, like, it's just, it's interesting. And, and really, yeah, you can attribute it to that, that Jane's Addiction is definitely one of the very, very, very early influences for for Pearl Jam to, to bloom. I don't think there is Pearl Jam without Jane's Addiction. And let's also not forget... Um... Jane's Addiction, you, you you had mentioned, you know, with, with uh, Lollapalooza, Pearl Jam and Lollapalooza, of course, but let's not forget the influence and the effect that Lollapalooza has on the city of Chicago as oh, well. I mean, yeah, it's been 100%. long running there, and that's that's a major, major event that, you know, is expanded on by days every year and by city blocks. And, uh, and I actually was – it was – really weird i made my way into perry's tent one time there was like a dj going on because he was remixing all grunge rock uh it was all nirvana pearl jam remixing everything and i was standing uh uh, perry was standing right next to me just like because he he would walk around and listen to everything he was he was like a goer like everyone else yeah and uh i kind of just look and here's this you know really strange looking skinny guy next to me with his you know uh uh uh, shiny jacket and his earrings and stuff and i'm like oh you're him you know so <laughs> just had like this kind of wink you know nod kind of moment i didn't want to you know i'm not going to call attention but it was cool and uh you know that that's a that's a big thing as well so there's i think there's a lot of really cool tie-ins with that didn't didn't we end up on jane's addictions tour bus on uh, uh back in we don't know if it was we don't remember if it was actually theirs. That was never confirmed. Right, but it was, was a pizza, tour. There was pizza bus. on it. It was. It was a tour bus with pizza, so we went on it. Pizza and solo cup wine. I was gonna say yeah. that 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 could be a salacious story for Patreon if you want to tell that. No, that's literally I mean, the story. No, no, no. There's well, way well, more no. to the story. There, there's there's way more, but the the tour bus part is actually the most boring part of the story. Oh, hundred percent. It was. Yeah, no. The, it was like it was like the one they use for the wives that like follow behind, you know. Yeah, it was either it was either that or like a crew tour bus. It, it was something yeah, really it was, minuscule. It was and, it was not romantic or cool at all, right? But we thought it was something important. But yeah, that 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 would be yeah. a fantastic Patreon episode. I don't know if you want to stay uh, for longer and record that, but I no no. But I'll 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 do I'll do it with you this week. <laughs> all right, well we'll figure it out. Sounds good. Well, I, I mean, that's a story I love retelling anyway, and I remember every single moment of it. So, That's one I, I'll never forget. Yeah. Uh, okay, <laughs> so all this time talking about Summertime and Jane's Addiction and Corduroy is kind of like the backseat of this conversation, which is a very, very rare thing. But, you know, they come out the gate with Corduroy here, and this is really starting your, your punch in your energy section, where last night or I should say the the, uh, the night one show, 
Corduroy was in your encore and basically finishing up a set. So you get that that energy, that feel of a Pearl Jam show is still back in this early section here, and you know, and away we go, as they say. Yeah, I remember thinking when they, when they when they cut to the new part, you know, where they stops, everyone around me kept on singing. Like I, you know, I'd been to night one, heard it then, been to a couple of shows in April, heard it then, so I knew what was coming. But yeah, it was funny. I think there was there was a a woman, a couple of people down to my left who was dancing and screaming along and as soon as that happened she kind of froze and was like wait what <laughs> like did like the, a complete double take like you, you see in a movie or something like completely froze and like yeah just I remember thinking that was hilarious everyone around me had no idea what was going on that's I how, definitely that's remember uh, yeah I definitely remember so Steve and I were um, we were in center field I remember that there was a bar behind us like just for the floor that was like on second base it was really cool so we were like in the bowl like right we could hear and see everything and at that point we just kind of stayed quiet because you know we kind of know how to feel out what they're doing live and we're like let's they're probably not going to sing right now so the the echo of everybody in the stadium singing you know the bridge part was wild and loud and i I, i'll never forget that this corduroy is wow amazing yeah like i think corduroy is one of those songs where if you can just if you spend all this time saying that it's amazing usually you only have to spend a minute saying it's amazing because like you know but this like when you can expand on that that's that's when you really know you have something special exactly like like ones like this like there is stuff going on right it's yeah, the whole atmosphere, absolutely. So, uh, this kind of leads into this energetic section where there's some songs that you get in the early that you can get in early parts of the set list, and there's songs that maybe not so much. So, State Eleven Trust, you don't really get in the early part of the set too often. Why go? You do, Animal, you do. So, man, this is like you're riding this wave of momentum here, and it just keeps going up and up and up. And uh, this that's a really good three song stretch. I thought like. For why why go especially in this? I thought McCready was just tearing it up in there, and you hear Ed at, in that middle just goes ah fuck it before McCready's going into the solo. I thought I thought that that was the that was the best part of this little section right here. Cameron too, I thought just amazing on the drums, especially why go and Animal. I thought he was just just killing it, perfect, hitting so hard. But again, by this time, I'm starting to get a little. Like I'm kind of looking around, going, "You guys are noticing this, right? Like, we're we're getting all '90s songs here. Like, yeah. how long is <laughs> this gonna? I'm starting to think to myself, like, how long are they gonna keep this up? Like, I I'm not complaining. Don't get me wrong. I I think it's amazing, but I'm trying to think, like, is this a set list they did in like '96 or '98? Is are we like I was trying to go back and 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 think, like, oh, is this a is this just part of the show, like a tribute to some earlier show? But yeah, like. I was definitely getting, definitely noticing the the trend on the set list here by this point. Yeah, um, absolutely. It, it does, in some ways, sometimes feel like a, like a bit of a throwback type type thing, um, which I'm all about because, like I said, it's what makes this show interesting. State Eleven Trust, Why Go and Animal. I mean, I've said it before. Like sometimes I don't really quite agree with their placements of Why Go and Animal. Sometimes I like them reversed what they do sometimes i like them where they are sometimes i don't like them at all 
they're right next to each other here and it's like oh my god so and with state of love and trust that one was always been like uh i wouldn't say take it or leave it but i got to be in the mood for it and a lot of what i'm kind of judging this show on is what i remember from being there and again you can't like (laughs) you can't recreate uh the, the the mood you're in when these three songs are back to back it's it's just you remember it uh you're still sweating from it you're out of breath it's fantastic so um toasts are worth making this is part of uh this next little section here that ed speaks and he said we can toast to the horsehead guy and we can talk uh we can toast to uh just being grateful to play here again and kind of talks about you know the, the cubs asking them to play and he said that we'd have to sleep on it. But then I woke up in the middle of the night and had a dream that the Chicago Tribune headline says lightning strikes twice. And then he kept talking about the weather and, and, you know, being worried about, you know, there being rain in the forecast, the same as 2013. And thankfully they got the perfect two days and he wanted to toast to the most beautiful day in Chicago. And Given a Fly is dedicated to Joe Madden and the Cubs. And another powerful version of the song that makes the Let's Play 2 movie. Following that up is Immortality. And it doesn't really get the arpeggiated intro. But it sounds kind of cool because you can still tell it's Immortality. It still has that, that ring to it, it. The familiar ring. So uh, th- they play Immortality and... and this is really both songs to me atmospheric ballpark songs you gotta play them almost any time that you're in that situation oh yeah immortality is holy shit moment number three if you're if you're playing along like as soon as it started like yeah it's it's not the the normal intro but it is kind of he does a little quiet intro to it it's really nice and i remember as soon as that started it was like again i'm just at this point i'm going okay another 90s song keep it going mm-hmm. yeah but oh oh my god like in this spot like again this would normally be the even full spot but yeah oh amazing version of immortality uh mccready using like the little volume knob to to do the solo and uh i think don't get me wrong i think there's a bass solo in this version of immortality hmm i don't know if i caught Why that am I did, now blanking did you catch it two bass players here somebody has to yeah why why am i why am i blanking on this i you know what i should have listened to this uh other than like middle of the week when i was listening to yeah there's uh, a little you could be right now a little he gets a little solo in there it's nice i'm gonna have to go back and listen to it now and that wasn't all i guess i totally missed that some sometimes evolution episodes miss the little things and that might be one very small thing that we missed with that but I mean, the ending is just perfect. It's one of those things you hear it in the air, and you can hear this north side, south side, center side. Doesn't matter. You can hear this anywhere in the city, and it feels full. And this is great little section right here. So you get a little bit of a, a starstruck moment on stage. Uh, Black, red, yellow. The very, very rare song gets an appearance here. Only the seventh time ever appearing at a Pearl Jam show. This is where you get Dennis Rodman coming out on stage. And yeah, this is this is a good little moment right here.
my calling. Guess what, brother? I'm looking for you and the boys. I just left Japan. I'm going to Chicago. And uh, I just want to know one thing, baby. Where the fuck are ya? message like the phone message that plays in the original version of the song right oh was it that i think so okay that's because yeah oh. the original version of black red yellow the Ed, eddie version, i called that eddie i called that it message. yeah yeah right okay all right that makes sense but yeah this is holy shit moment number four when when rodman comes out yeah black red yellow love it i mean <laughs> you, you like to see these cameos at uh at Pearl jam shows and most of the time, I'd say 99% of the time, it's somebody that kind of um, contributes <laughs> to what they're doing. <laughs> to see it was this. awkward. Like, he didn't know what to do after his party. He was like, it, I guess I'll leave. And Ed, like, yeah. grabs him and's like, no, stay. <laughs> to, but to, to see this is like, well, uh, you know, do you expect anything less from Dennis Rodman than to be just totally strange and... No, it's no. that's what you expect, He's and it warm. was awesome. Yeah, I mean, look, the city of Chicago—they love him to death. Uh, and it was confusing. I won't. I won't say it wasn't really confusing, but but it's it's hell, one, you know, it's it, also it's also one of those things where because it's Rodman and because he is who he is, I don't think anybody really cares. I think it's just this. No, no, no. Holy I, crap! I, I think it's Rodman on stage. Yeah, I think you're usually looking for like a guitar player or a singer to come out and right. I don't, you know, I don't think they're picky. They're like, oh, you know, you, you don't, you're not going to play anything with us, but you're available. So why don't you come down and come out on stage with us? Yeah, he was part of the original version of the song. He got to come like recreate his his part of the song. I thought it was a nice. I moment. guess I guess you can, I guess that's true. Yeah, nice nice little moment with D Rod, and you know, again. The city of Chicago. He's he's one of their own, and we saw with uh, the Bulls documentary that he's forever loved in the city. Uh, Deep and Jeremy, more early stuff. This is ten era right here, and it just keeps going, man. Oh yeah! By this time, I'm convinced that we're getting an all ninety set. Like I, I'm hoping beyond hope that they're all only going to play ninety songs. It just keeps moving. It's one of those times where. Uh, like I, I agree with John and and the um you know the uh the nineties vibe going on here. It's it's kinda like one time where Jeremy pops up and you, you really don't mind it because this is the way the set is and it, it fits so well that uh it's I mean you know, sometimes Jeremy could be Jeremy, sometimes you wanna go to the bathroom, that could be your bathroom break song, but not here because there's this vibe going on right now and you wanna see you know, where it's taking you. Yeah, and usually I have a problem with Jeremy being on back-to-back shows like that. Uh, They did it at MSG that same year, and that was really the moment in 2016, that that second show in MSG. I'm like, you know what? This is just not 
as good of a show as I want it to be. But I, I'm like you. I, I, I really don't mind it. I think it just fits the I, I, ideal and and the mentality of, of this show and and what they're they're trying to get across. And on, I, I like this version of better yeah. uh, of Jeremy better than uh, than the night one version too. It just everything just fits in so well. Yeah. It's- yeah. Well, now the song, it's, it's about that moment at the end where everyone gets to go like, whoa, like, it's about that you and those 50,000 people screaming that whoa, whoa, whoa at the end. Like, that's what the song is now. You know, say what you want, but there are going to be people in attendance that are not the biggest, you know, the biggest fanatics of this band. You need a song like that to bring them into and remember something from this show. So, yeah, look, play two nights, I guess there's no problem with that. So, um, And, and if, if it's not going to be like night one or sometimes what we've seen before where it's, um, it's a Jeremy daughter back-to-back type thing, mm-hmm. you get in, you do one of them, you get out, and you move on with the night. And that's, that's what we get here, and I'm good with that. I just want to touch on the, the 90s thing before we move on. Like, I really... Would love to have been there when Ed was writing out the set list. Like, all right, let's do this, and like everybody going like, is it cognizant? Okay. Right. Yeah, yeah. Like, and did they consider doing an all thing? Because if you look at this, this is almost like Randy. I, I gotta think you love this. This is almost like one of your set list drafts. Set list. Yeah. It's all '90s. There's one riot act, one avocado, one backspacer, one lightning bolt. It's almost like they. They were trying to meet the same quota that we put on those settlers drafts. Yeah, in a way. And yeah, it's. Oh, by this point, I'm. Yeah, like I said, I was. I was convinced that we were getting only ninety songs. I think they are cognizant of it. I think they are tailoring it to be for that fan that's been there for for so long. And you know the the Let's Play Two movie went back a bunch of times to their performance at the Metro. Maybe they're thinking uh, about that. They wanted to get some more songs that were played from that night. So, uh, all right. That, that moves us on to, uh, to I am mine and wish list. Uh, I am mine. They, they do mention that. Uh, and Ed does mention here, uh, put down the fucking beach ball is such a great line <laughs> because, it, okay, so you guys aren't gonna really get this, but there's in in the wrestling world, people at WrestleManias will bust out the beach ball, and it's just the worst thing in the world. And you know, once sometimes the beach ball will roll down to the ring, and a wrestler will take it, and they will they will squash it, they will squash it in their hands because it's just it's a distraction from what's going on. It, it's it's stupid, and I'm glad that he called somebody out for it. It's it's just a tired, stupid trope to to do it at, at, at concerts or games or anything like that. Yeah, I think and it, he was trying to do this serious speech about how they raised all this money for these right. charities and right. doing a whole thing. It's like, dude, like pay some respect. You you can do that when the song starts, but like right now, I'm trying to do something here. Right, and even not, I am mine wish list. Not that's that, not a beach ball. Those aren't beach ball songs. Exactly, and not only that, but I, I I think if I'm remembering it correctly, I don't know if he had just seen like one of them, but to my recollection, I I feel like there were like thirty beach balls going at one point, and That's it was like lot. it was like enough of these fucking beach balls, like yeah. they were driving us crazy on the on the floor. I mean, it was the it was. I remember them being everywhere. I could be. 
misremembering exactly how many, but there was more than one. And it was, um, you know, it's funny as it goes to the next person, you can kind of tell who is like that guy in the crowd. You know, (laughs) you'll see someone like grab it out of the air and you won't see it anymore. And then you see the people that get very excited when the, Oh, they they can't wait for it. They're like, Oh, please let it come to me. Please let it come to me. I I just want to touch it. You will, you will miss entire songs because you're looking up at the air, tracking a beach ball, wondering, like getting ready for it to come to you. That's another thing. Like why, why miss a song for a stupid prop? Why do that? It's the worst. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, these aren't songs that you should be bouncing a beach ball around to anyway. It's I Am Mine and Wishlist. And they're very, it's really the first kind of cool down of this set where you're getting more of, you know, the, the, the mid-tempo-ish songs. But they both sound pretty good. Um, I don't really have a lot on these two because I'm very much itching to talk about the next song. So if you guys have anything to add to the conversation with these, I uh, I give you the floor. But for me, good good little tweeners to get you into uh, a pretty intense uh, end of the set. Yeah, I just remember being disappointed when I and mine started because, like, oh, it's over. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, I was not because Randy knows, as we, we actually talked yeah, about yeah. before we started, is that I, I seem to always get I am mine somehow. Uh and it's one of my favorite songs. Uh, and uh, I actually, <laughs> I went to the bathroom during Wishlist. <laughs> All right. I think we need to talk about Of the Earth and how oh, great yes. this was. Um, okay. So this was, I think, the last time that they didn't play it on the 2018 tour. So I believe that this is, to date, the last time they've ever played it and it's only been played 13 times so this is the 13 of 13 times played we've only covered it one other time on our show so we haven't gotten a lot of reps with this song and god the more that I hear it and the more that I listen to it I just I fall in love with it so much more I find little things and pieces that are like they're doing this and they were going off on, on, and doing things this way and it's it's a damn shame that this never got to be recorded and put on an album anywhere. But again, in an argument to that, it's kind of great that we have this as their specialty song that just gets popped in a few times live, you know, now and again, and it sounds so good. So yeah, this is holy shit moment number five in the, in the show. Like, yeah, when it started, I lost my shit I think I was like oh my god they're playing it and I had heard it in Jacksonville this is actually the second time I've gotten to see it which I consider myself very lucky um, but yeah just oh my god it's so good and like yeah like it would have fit perfectly on Gigaton like we talked about how did this not make that record I will never understand but yeah I remember singing along the whole thing I, I remember getting after you know when it started like getting to the end the instrumental part I got tapped on the shoulder from behind, and someone goes like, "What? Wait, what is this song?" And because I guess they they like see me singing along to it, and I was like, "Yeah, it's it's the unreleased song. It's on. It's at the end of the program twenty thing with the the hidden track on the thing." And they were like, "Oh, okay." But yeah, oh, it's it's one of my favorites. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, it's great here. 
Uh, and it, yeah, like I mean, we've, we've, the only thing I have to say about this is yeah, super impressive performance for it not being an album song, it not being played often. Uh, I mean, we we sometimes get uh, you know uh, lost dog songs that are you know rare but played a lot that sometimes they don't do that well, and this is not the case for this one. So let's let's see it some more, like. I like the rarity of it, but damn, if it's gonna sound like this, if they're gonna if they're gonna knock it out of the park, th- stop stop teasing and us. Yeah, you know, this do is it. right up there with that original Dublin version, as as far as like the best versions, Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Like, of the song, totally. Yeah, and look, as as for parts of the song, that part where they kind of do the solo and they kind of take that little break, and it's it's kind of it kind of slows down a little bit, and then it gets back into that meaty part of the verse. Oh my god, that's easily one of my favorite moments of any Pearl Jam song ever, where you just get this feeling where they go back to where they were. Because that that part, that whole rhythm of the uh, of the verse chorus, uh, that whole part just feels like an avalanche falling down or a mountain where all the rocks are falling off the mountain. It's it's it just feels enormous, and it feels like it's it's literally like taking over a society. songs like this are out there yeah well, there's probably Stray cats I mean. hopefully mike mike said it on that reddit ama he said there's probably enough for stray cats so look maybe he did say he would love to do big wave you're right is, is that was that is, was that choreographed did, did, did you wait for that and you were just like all right where's my big wave mention of the day so I, I <laughs> no, uh, and also it was totally random that I, I was literally just scrolling to like get through it, like just looking, looking, looking. Uh-huh. I stopped my thumb on that question and I was like, oh my God. <laughs> uh-huh. All right. I believe you. But yes, have to t- hit some of those West Coast shows. <laughs> we are tonight, actually. Thank you, thank you the, for the setup. The first one that we're doing out of Wrigley, I think is going to have big waves. So there you go. Yeah. First time since since the first time, um, yeah. yeah. I mean, just 
the song is is fantastic. One of the best moments from this night for sure. Uh, another big moment that happened, very memorable moment, is is through Lucan. And uh, the mood changes a little bit. Ed, Ed has been pretty happy for both of these nights until this. Mother. Hey, mister. All the fingers are pointing at you. Yep. Come on, clear out, mister. For the first time that I can remember, Ed has the security kick a fan out. I've never seen Ed... It's always the other way around where Ed is protecting the fans and making sure that, you know, the fans are safe and the security isn't fucking them over. Ed gets this guy the fuck out of this building and they do the na-na-nas and, and it's a great moment. Then they pick up right where they left off. One, two, three, four. One of the crazier versions of Lucan you'll ever hear, for sure. Oh, yeah, I think I I definitely said out loud, like, oh, so we're at a Fugazi show right now. Because that was <laughs> what they were famous for, is like, if you went to that show, it was a safe space. And if you messed with anyone, they would right. call you out from the stage and kick you out. Like, it was, it became like a thing that people, like, you know, if you, like, yeah, go back and watch. There's plenty of videos. I'm sure you can watch Ian from Fugazi kicking people out of shows. And that's the first thing I thought of, like, okay, we're at a Fugazi show now. Cool. But, yeah, I mean, going back and watching it, you know, I didn't get to see it from up close. But, yeah, you see Cameron, like, waving to the guy. Like, yeah, they kind of had a little little fun with him. But, yeah, it's – yeah, you you, you can't be doing that shit, man. You got to expect that, like – I don't know if you're you're drunk or fucked up or whatever. Like, you can't mess with people at these shows, man. That's that's, – it's a safe space for people. I, I just remember we we almost didn't even know what happened. Uh, we, we couldn't, you know, being on the ground, everyone's just right at your same eye level. So we didn't couldn't see anything. And uh, and we're like, it was like one of those things where like you're, you're kind of dancing to Lucan and you almost you're so geared up. You dance through half of the argument and you're like, <laughs> wait, the music's not going. Anymore. <laughs> and then we're like, I remember Steve was like, was did someone just get kicked out? And I'm like. I think so, but I I, I missed it. What, what just happened? And yeah, so that was kind of confirmed because uh, you know Steve loves when they when they bring out Luke and Steve Steve loves that. It's one of his you know he goes crazy for it. So uh, yeah, well, I'm I'm glad we finally have confirmation of what we we missed, but what we thought we knew had happened that night. Yeah, I, you know, again, this is usually the other way around where Ed is protecting the fan. This time, he's making sure. That uh, that the fan who is being interfered with is is safe and he does the right thing for sure. And finishing up the song like that, all fired up and kind of collecting himself, he kind of breathes a little bit and he's like, "All right, back to where we were." 
finishes up the song strong. So, and you know, yeah, the, they kick right back into it where they left off. It's great. So yeah, I mean, very memorable, Lucan, and uh, you, you're finishing up the set very strong. Minor manners, rearview mirror, uh, energetic minor manners. I think much different placement than the first night where you might have ignored it a little bit but they're just coming off such a high with uh with lucan and and of the earth that i i I feel like this one was a little bit better or more strategically placed from from this show one of the few 2000 songs definitely yeah one of the best songs live like again this little set coming off of the earth lucan like they've got the energy back so yeah this is a way to just finish off strong and lead into a great version of rearview mirror a great version of Rearview Mirror, not surprising. I did not like this Mind Your Manners, though. I thought it was a little sloppy. It, it's kind of one of those times where I felt like uh, it let Matt Cameron kind of let it get away from him a little bit, which is rare but does happen. And I can only chalk that up to, uh, you know, uh, just being geared up at this point and uh having I think fun that makes but... it in i think that makes it endearing though being a little sloppy like it's a fast kind of dead kennedy style like punk rock song yeah I think if, if they just did it by the numbers it would be boring yeah i just i didn't think the performance was that good i i also thought the mix was a little off i thought um i thought cameron's uh uh backup vocals were a little too loud i thought eddie was a little drowned out on it so it just seemed a little you know um it, it, it almost sloppy out of their control they can't really control the mix and and whatever but uh n- not my favorite but uh not the worst either just you know a nit- little nitpick little we, nitpick that's we it. we couldn't get out of the main set without one you guys just just to <laughs> let you know with that it, it was it was it was telegraphed it, it, it was coming so uh yeah i hey listen i have nothing bad to say about this i i I needed if if one thing bothered me i i had to just to be fair to myself you know i i think it's fair to not just yourself but all the listeners who are expecting that kind of conversation because that is part of the entertainment as well hey i'm not i'm listen i'm not saying it was a train wreck but i'm not going to say it was perfect (laughs) uh never change my friend um (laughs) all right so yeah i mean we always say it, never a bad version of Rearview Mirror. I thought I actually oh, yeah. thought Can't that, skip over it. Absolutely. Yeah, I thought that the, the beginning of Rearview Mirror almost got away from them a little bit where I, I think it was just all the energy and I think that they were just feeling jolted after after all that. And uh I mean they finish up the song strong and, and they absolutely kill it. So it, it wasn't anything that by the end of the song, I wasn't saying, you know what? That was not a, a good version of Rear Rear. No, they, it, they still, I think it kind of, they still killed it. It kind of sticks with the theme of the night too, because it, it stays fast the whole time. It, it had kind of a nineties yeah. rearview mirror feel to it. Like almost going back to like that Atlanta show where they played it super fast. And yeah, it, this one doesn't get slow or like introspective. It stays fast the whole time. Right. Bridge stays very, very fluid for out. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but that gets you into encore numeral uno. Uh, Ed mentions the guy that got kicked out and he said he kind of looked like Steve Bartman and then makes a couple of jokes about Steve Bartman and, uh, you know, but, you know, I don't want to get into a conversation about this, but yeah, Bartman deserves the Chicago crowd apology here because he wasn't really at fault. Uh, yeah, he, he, he was part of that being at fault, but I don't think anybody would have been mad had Moises Alou not thrown a temper tantrum after that. Come on. We've seen that clip a billion times. 
again, it's not part of the Pearl Jam set, but it's still, you know, baseball is an important part of the show. So I figured I'd bring it up. Yeah, I think he's been forgiven by now. Yeah, I think they they even did like a thirty for thirty on that, where he had to they like did. go into hiding and like he was getting death threats. So yeah, I feel yeah. bad for the guy because he just did what anyone would have done. But yeah, I mean, I'm glad that he's he's kind of been forgiven in retrospect by now. Yeah, and, and it's it's all water under the bridge after they after they won the series. I think the Cubs have tried numerous times to reach out to him to you know to give him a formal apology and you know let him throw out the first pitch and that's not something that he wants to do he wants to keep his life very private but who knows maybe someday he'll come around to it he does deserve that like public apology moment where everybody's is clapping for him because he was he was a public pariah for a long time in that city so it does it does deserve to be mentioned since you know when you think of Wrigley Field moments, like that's that's one of the top ones that, that you do remember from Wrigley Field. So uh, throw your arms around me. All I can remember is that is that those those uh, headphones and those glasses. Yeah. The, <laughs> that one picture they plastered everywhere, man. It's a, it's just a baseball turtleneck. Thing. It's something you'll never forget. Tur- absolutely, yeah. The gr- it was like a green turtleneck. I think. Yeah, right? I, I think Blue it was a sweater. Turtleneck? I think it was a sweater over a turtleneck. Oh, that, that might have been it. Yeah. 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 Uh, anyway, it's it, like, yeah, I mean, it, it's the perfect That's, that's mix. something that gets burned into your memory, though. Oh, <laughs> that image. For, sh- for sure. For <laughs> the sure. Bartman incident, of course. Of him, course. Him sitting very quietly before, uh, you know, among the fans that are about to rip his limb his body limb from limbs like yeah he he know he know he done fuck up a ron so uh <laughs> uh yeah that gets him to throw throw your arms around me for the aussies as he mentions the flags in the crowd for the travelers and i love the song i think this this is an amazing song and when eddie does it like this I, like he gets all he, he gets to the high parts and the high parts sound really good it gets really impassioned I, I, this is great this is a great song and another kind of a rare one for, for this set a th- another throwback to the 90s if you will exactly yeah this is holy shit moment number six i yeah i love the song i never thought i'd get a chance to hear it and as soon as he started playing it, it again it was just like another like whoa like cool yeah they, like you said like a, a great tie-in to to back in the 90s this is like this is only you know they always talk about how they they don't like nostalgia and they don't like looking backwards but this is this is a perfect way to do it with these little like subtle little tie-ins yeah this whole encore one is is really awesome the uh the beginning here is sometimes not something that i go for totally but uh everything's super well performed uh well there's one kind of drawback to this encore but uh we'll get to that very shortly besides that i really like don't have too much to say about the opening here it's uh you know it's kind of classic it's kind of um uh expected but it's it's well done yeah and that that brings in man of the hour too which he dedicates to to a couple people and he does mention that uh that night was lane staley's birthday so uh you know they were thinking about him and and man of the hour not a song that you hear very often you go back to the set list that they curated uh you know the big 40 song set list that that never got played in in 2013 this was on it so this was the return favor in a way if they're thinking in that way so I, I love I love this song. I think I, this is such a great song, and and 
it's such a different encore than the first night. The first night had so much balance with the, the, the moments and with the rarities and things. After Man of the Hour, it really turns into, like, this is a Pearl Jam show here. This isn't a, um, I don't want to call it, it, it isn't really a spectacle like, like the first night was. This is, this is pure Pearl Jam. Yeah, and it, it, it's been played 51 times, which surprised me. It got played a lot in like 2004, 2005, 2006, but since then it's become one of those rare songs. And it's, like you said, it's, it's so underrated. It's, I think it's one of their better, like acoustic, slow songs, like more of an emotional kind of ballad, if you will. But yeah, absolutely loved hearing it. I thought it's fantastic. Again, it, it's one of those things like like an oceans, like a black, red, yellow, like throw your arms around me, where it's, you're just kind of like, okay, like they, they, it's not a super rare song, but it's just one of those that they don't normally play. So to get a lot of those together is really cool. Yeah, it was a great moment in the stadium too. Uh, everyone was there for it. Um, you get something a little typical next, but uh, yeah, Randy, like you said, you get you get just raw, pure, you know band members playing uh, Pearl Jam songs coming up after that and it's it's wild right and um, so I think I remember texting you a day or two later and and I asked you like were you pissed that they played Last Kiss and you said nah Steve and I just kind of laughed it off and and put our arms around each other and, and joked around during it oh yeah we, we sang every single word uh uh, and had a great time doing it, uh, you know, kind of in mockery, but also just let's let's not let's not let this, uh, you know, break our momentum right now. <laughs> so, yeah, we we just arm in arm sang it, uh, laughed it off at the same time and uh, moved on from it pretty quick. So it, it yeah. really wasn't terrible. You need a you need a kind of a crowd moment after those two, like throw your arms around me is not one that everyone knows in that stadium and man of the hour again, it's little more of a rare one so they needed something to kind of get everybody back and get everybody singing and yeah last kiss it's it's two and a half minutes it's over fast it's not like it it's not like it disrupts the thing it you know it got everybody back into it and again another cool crowd moment just like animal where it lets the crowd sing at the end and it's great yeah Yeah, and and, you know that's a good point like you said you know there it is possible that there were you know people there that weren't die hard pearl jam fans and you know, they, they might have been <laughs> waiting for a moment like this. You know, we weren't, but there could have been people that were. So definitely, and that that's that's at every one of their shows when they always do last kiss when I go see them. Um, but it, whatever, if, if you like it, you like it. It's cool. Yeah, it's like it's, I said, it's not the it's. It, well, you know, it it is the worst, but it, this was this was this was fine here well, because we had fun. You know, you, we had a good time. You with did it. the best thing you could do. Like that's that's what the song's for. It's to put your arm around your friend and scream along. And yeah, it's it's not yeah. supposed to be taken seriously. Right, right. See, when when I go see him with Randy, he crosses his arms and sits in his chair and pouts. <laughs> uh-huh. So it's well, a little no, different. Oh, Ted yeah. Cruz guy had a lot no, to no. do with that. Oh, that these, was these two back well, to back. Will, where I'm going to call this the Randy special. Oh, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, the Randy special, the uh, but yeah, Randy, the the Ted Cruz uh, yelling out Ted Cruz during the uh, election time, uh, and then <laughs> and then you know almost wanting to leave after uh, last kiss because that's what he was there for. That will absolutely put a, a bad taste in your mouth for it. Oh for, yeah, for years to come. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So 
You're right. Yeah, he, I, like is... I wouldn't have been surprised after Last Kiss if he was like, "All right, we can go now." I, I would not have been surprised. I, I mean, I didn't pay attention to him for the rest of the night, so I, it's, I don't really give a fuck. But <laughs> no, hey, but if he's if you got any Ted Cruz fans listening to the podcast and that that was really excited about Last Kiss at MSG Night Two, 2016, then then you're our guy, apparently. So. Good, good to talk to you again. Yeah, yeah right. Um, live on four legs podcast at gmail dot com. Actually, no, they can <laughs> they can do the live on nine legs. That that's 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 the snail mail one. They can they can do that one. We'll we'll get to you in like two thousand twenty nine or something like that. Uh, yeah, you're right though. Uh, these back to back are it's not my cup of tea. Got some in the encore to me is just I'm not a fan of it. I'm just think. It's just kind of a waste of a spot, but I get why they are doing it because a couple of these songs, you know, got some and comatose back to back, are giving the late two thousands. They're giving them their due. Every album, I think, except for Binaural, is added into the set. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it just serves the purpose of you know getting everybody back into it after you know after last kiss you want to keep the energy going so they've gotten the crowd back into it so they get a couple of fast ones out of the way before you get to the the meat of the encore yeah uh were they great performances absolutely but would i have preferred would i i would have preferred got some in the first set and i would have loved i would have loved back-to-back avocado songs here is is i think would have what would have been i mean uh again sort of unexpected uh and those are songs that you know you could swap out any first half of avocado with got some and you could uh achieve the same uh the same thing here with getting people back into it didn't have to be got some uh you know it's fresher but um it's not that fresh so yeah i would have taken i would have taken two avocados here of course absolutely yeah i whatever it's i don't think it took me away from the show at all just it being you know the the song that kind of peeves me the most but it's it's still yeah i would have taken other things but it's, again i wasn't there, it's, so it's I a can't. first setter at best and i don't yeah, even they were doing not their even now draft. Anymore, they though. had to get one backspacer and one avocado so that was the one that was picked yep i guess so yeah you go through this whole thing and you realize that with all these 90 songs, hey, something is missing that I'm not really, you know, I'm not very concerned about, but I am thinking to myself, is this a no even flow show? But you do get it in the encore. The one thing that I did notice when they started the song was there was a little bit of sense of disappointment. I didn't hear like a crowd roar with this. I don't know if you guys got this out of the bootleg or even out of the show. Yeah, definitely. I think it was it was one of those things where like, oh, uh, but yeah, but fuck those people because this is a great version of Even Flow. Like get, when you get to the solo part, McCready's just like on the floor pouring, getting everything he can out of his guitar and messing with the thing, getting some unearthly noises out of that thing. It's It's amazing. You get Cameron with a little drum solo, Ed's out in the crowd doing his thing. Like, yeah, if... The, if you went to the bathroom during the song, then you missed it. Has it has Bob. It has Bob. And what more would you want than Bob? Bob sings the final chorus. Exactly. Yeah, he did a great job. Thank you, Bob. Uh, yeah, it was 
<laughs> Thanks, Bob. It was a great performance, of course. And um, I, I could I could say that we didn't feel uh, disappointed that it was like taking up a spot in in one of the encores. Um, we had more or less, I guess uh, you could say, come to terms with the fact that maybe we weren't getting it. We were mm-hmm. fine with that, and uh, and then we just kind of forgot about it, honestly. And I remember when they started playing Even Flow. It, it wasn't even like recounting the set. We kind of just like looked at our watches and we were like, huh, this is so it's, it's a little late here. And um, and then we were into it because, again, it was a wild electric performance and being on the being on the ground was, you know, it was a, a great crowd for it. But, yeah, we had, we had just kind of moved on from it, actually, to be honest. And we were like, you know what, we're, we'll probably get a live. We'll get one of them. Not that it even matters if we get either of them this might be super interesting if we don't get either of them that that's cool too we're for it we, we we're not missing it because this night has been so wild and so fun um and then they played it and you know it was fine it was uh uh kind of like a take it or leave it but we weren't upset that it it came up so would you say that team main set and team encore made a trade even flow for better man and then team main set put better man as their cleanup hitter does that make I, I, sense? It not only makes sense, but I, I <laughs> champion it, and I, I would, I would uh, suggest that rotation uh, more because it's crazy and it's fun. And guess what? They hit it out of the park. Oh. Hey, yeah, right out of center field. Um, well, it wasn't hard. Yeah, they were already in center field. It's not that far. Right. It's yeah. really they. Yeah. No, Matt could have just thrown the ball over the fence, but you, you get you get the pun. It's okay. Yeah. We. Yeah. We. The base, the baseball references are 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 a plenty here. So, uh, but after the song, yes, they shout out Bob, and then Stone gets on the mic. So Stone touches the microphone. Is this like a, uh, like are you gasping at this moment or like what, what Stone is actually speaking? Do you think that there's going to be more to this or is it just like uh, Stone has something to say for a second? Yeah, I thought he was just gonna like you know, take a moment here and thank some people and do his thing. But yeah, that's coming up as holy shit moment number seven. Yeah. And it's not mankind. It's, it's the other one. It's don't give me no lip, which yeah, they do not bust this out very often. We've only talked about it on the show one other time. They've only played it uh, 13 times. So there's a couple of songs that have only been played 13 times in total in this set. This and uh, of the earth so another one in this collector category that just is is fantastic uh stone singing not not much else not much else you can say it's it's fantastic <laughs> i was hoping to get mankind so i could have crossed it off no code but i'll take don't give me no lip anytime i would have loved mankind just because it's ridiculous and so much fun to hear but uh yeah i you, you guys know Steve and I. We are this. We are the Stone Bros. We, we love Stone, and and any any inkling of him, you know, going for it is, uh, or maybe sometimes not even being pressured or having it be on the set, but almost like he's bullied into it by other <laughs> band members is always kind of funny too. And um, yeah, no, this is this is kind of what you know uh, made the night. Like, oh, okay, it's one of Stones. Uh, it's a rarer one. Uh, magic is happening in Chicago tonight. Was was kind of the feeling that we had, uh, and uh, but we weren't expecting like 
I don't know. It, 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 it felt like such a long night, and there's still more. So this was just like, this was like a cherry on top, and then they were going to top off the cherries with more cake and then more cherries after that. So <laughs> it's, yeah, like, we've still got cherries. more to go through. It's and, and they got through it, it pretty layered. well. Like, the Stone songs are not always... Like they don't always make it through the whole song, so yeah. that's true. I yeah, mean, we they, they, they covered. Haven't we covered both uh, Lip and Mankind, where they've had false starts or they just don't even go back to it? I think we've done well, both of them where they've the been other, pretty botched. Yeah, the other version of "Don't Give Me No Lip" that they did was the debut, and you hear Stone in the middle of the song say to Ed, "Bridge, bridge, bridge," and that's how they oh, they change. Right, right, right. Uh, yeah, yeah. Right, right, yeah, it, you know, but you're right. Like mankind sometimes does need a couple of takes to do, and and sometimes uh, yeah. the same. But don't don't give me no lip. But it sounded great, and and it, it it's a ballsy encore move that that absolutely paid off. Uh, another payoff from this, like we said, '90s. Uh, this came to mind immediately when I saw the, this combo of Sonic Reducer and Blood. This is going back to two, uh, 1993 here. This is just this is their their era. That's their you know it's their height of their fame. And this is what I I think about these two songs when I think of early 90s Pearl Jam. Like it's it fits in perfectly with with what they did in the first half of the main set. Oh, yeah, and I ranked the covers last time on the night one. I'm not going to do that this time, but this would be number one. Like, I've been wanting to hear this song since I saw them the first time in 1998, and this is the first chance I got to hear it, so I was super excited. Uh, yeah, I mean, a Sonic Reducer was never one of my favorites. I, I could always take it or leave it. It's uh, that, it's another one i got to be in the mood for, and... Uh, Listening back onto it, I, I don't see how I could not have been in the mood for it that night. Because uh, oh. normally, I normally I would I wouldn't really be into it. But listening back, it just kind of brought back some memories. And like, yeah, I, I was probably uh, twirling my shirt in the air on this one or something because it was it was good. And I normally don't say that about this song. I normally just kind of brush it off because it, it doesn't really mean much to me. But again, this, this show is. It's uh, it's raw and it's it's this just adds to it. Yeah, I, I mean that that's such a good way to describe it. They're they're able to bring the rawness in to a setting that is so massive. It's such a rare quality for any band to have, and I think like to them, they understand their roots so well, maybe more than any other band. You know that that follows that '90s legacy, uh, but for them to, to bust it out on a stage like that, all all of those raw songs and be played almost like they were playing them back at, at the Metro or the Regal Theater or something like that, like that's just a throwback, and them just knowing how how much they just appreciate that stuff. So uh, we can't discredit Blood either. This is a really really great version of blood you know later versions of blood ballsy yeah exactly you're you're getting what this is almost song 30 in the set and you're gonna blow out your voice before going into an encore too that's gonna be massive that's really ballsy and i give him a lot of credit for for sticking with it yeah the the lights on the stage were red too that was a nice touch for blood 
nothing to say about it. It's fucking blood, man. And, exactly. Uh, and I, 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 you gotta get the pat on the back for that one. Song 28. And you're gonna come out with uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, like seven more songs. They were, they were making it happen. They were making it happen. Yeah, yeah, that's that's for sure. This is, there's no, there's no give. There's no give at all. Um, all right, that uh, blood finishes out the first encore. And the second encore starts off with just Ed speaking and and basically says, I'm going to be the, the last one to leave the wedding. They have so much more to play. And they mentioned, you know, some emotional messages. And uh, they mentioned somebody that was having their last round of chemo that day. And it gets us into Crazy Mary, another song that Matt always, 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 always gets live. I don't know how it happens. And I'm not and I'm not complaining about it. <laughs> uh but yeah, I mean this is this is a big one for anybody that that's seen the movie. Uh they pass out the uh the Cubs the Cubs cups and they pour the bottle of wine and, and this is this is a feel good moment. This is just a jam and, and Crazy Mary is great. Yeah, Boom does a little bit of the painted black, which is always cool. And then McCready comes and just rips at a new asshole. Yeah, this, uh, this, the whole solo, the whole jam, the whole thing, Eddie, uh, with the audience, with everything, just passing everything around. There was so much interaction, and there was so much stuff going on on stage at the same time. It was like, it was like a trip, almost. Like, you, you dropped something, and uh, it was like, you're just looking at, like, all this stuff going on, and the crowd's going crazy, and Boom is doing his thing. Absolutely tremendous. Did did you guys notice that the sound coming from Boom's organ from the uh, from the B three did it's kind of sounded like an old timey baseball organ that they would play like you know during during oh, in between uh, innings. That's interesting. I, I, I especially noticed it when he was doing the painted black part because it kind of sounded like sometimes when the organ hits in in between uh, pitches or something like that they'll play a little part of of you know, a, a well-known song. And that's exactly what right. that sounded like. Yeah. I, I know like, you know, organ sounds like that with mixing and, you know, audio. Uh, it, it's, it's a pretty fine line to where it could sound like that old timey baseball type, type, uh, type organ. And uh, yeah, that, I, I don't think I quite picked up on it this time, but now that's just something else I'm going to go back and listen to see if I can pick that one, one little part out because I totally see that happening with, with a mix or even if he did it on purpose, which is even cooler. Well, I can see them at a sound check, like Eddie turning to the sound guy. I mean, like, hey, can you make that sound like we're at the ballpark, like the ballpark? Yeah, like, yeah. yeah, totally. Oh, hit yeah. the highs or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Totally. Yeah, tr- turn the highs up. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we get into your least favorite cover of night one. They're doing it again. We kind of touched up on the doubles. Uh, I'm not really a fan when they play the same cover at uh, back-to-back shows like this, especially one like this that it's not like it's not known as being a Pearl Jam specific cover. And I get Cheap Trick is Chicago area, but I, you know, I could have. This is the one thing that I really could have done without in this set, and that that's probably not a popular opinion because i think a lot of people really did like it 
yeah, it just doesn't do it for me. I think it's kind of pandering to the to the city. And like like they talked about, a lot of people traveled, a lot of people came from out. You you know, you don't have to to pander to the local town that you're in when you're when you're a Pearl Jam. Like when I mean, you know, the, people are going to travel. The, it's not but, but they, all but the way is pandering enough. <laughs> Right. All the way, all the way is an, is but as much yeah, pandering as surrender kind of loses me. I could, I could leave it. I mean, sometimes Pearl Jam could be the the number one offender of of pandering. So I'm not like surprised at that. But I I love when they do cheap trick. I love surrender, uh, especially. But yeah, if I heard it two nights in a row, I'd be like. What the fuck, guys? Come on! It it would come off as lazy to me, and a hundred percent pandering, which which they do. But yeah, when you experience it, that that it's boring. It's a little boring. It could be a little boring, and you know you're towards the end here, and uh, you're running the risk of getting a lot of um, double plays anyway. Um, you know, uh, thankfully on this night it was it was different enough, so that's good. But yeah, hearing hearing the same cover back to back that you're not really into in the first place. I could see that being a, a big downer. Yeah, yeah, I think by this point, I I knew I was going to have to get up at four a.m. to get like a seven a.m. flight back to Atlanta. So, so I was I was like, "Come on, let's 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 so, let's move along." Move so along. they're doing they're doing surrender, and you just get so pissed off. <laughs> you start thinking about the next day. That's oh, that's hilarious. That's really funny. It's those little things. It's like, all right, oh my god, four a.m. tomorrow, and they're playing. But anything else would have would take your mind off of it in a second. It would just, you wouldn't be thinking about it until you were walking out that building, but exactly. It only but takes one. that one little thing. It's like, it only takes that one. And yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Uh, another, a lot. I mean, of course they're going to play alive in back to back shows. That's to be expected and, uh, to be celebrated. And I believe that they used this version of alive instead of the night one on let's play two. I'm not positive. But this is where Ed, I, I think this was where Ed is is uh, throwing the baseball into the crowd and he's playing catch. Uh, but yeah, I mean, great, great stuff. It's one that absolutely needs to be played at all the big shows. I, I killer version, awesome Mike Solo, got nothing else. Well, this is the one too. If you know that that iconic picture of him where he's jumping that's, like spread out and that's jumping. what i it wanted like to know 20 feet show. up in the air that's and what i is, wanted this to is know. from this from this version of alive yeah. okay good good this is the most famous picture in the history of pearl jam to me because it's it's just it encapsulates everything it about looks like he's flying oh yeah. yeah i know someone that was at like a, a gallery opening for photographers and stuff like that and they had I mean, this thing had to have been like, like fifty by fifty feet, a gigantic printout of this, pasted up on the wall, and he had he had it up on his uh, Instagram story, and he's panning the wall, and I see this photo, so I snapshotted it, and I, I drew it a red arrow to exactly where I was sitting, and I sent it back to him. I was like, I was at that show that you see that photo from, and he took a picture of it like standing back, and the. This picture was massive. I mean, you could put this thing all the way up, like, a side of a house, like a two-story house. It was such a big version of it. I'm like, oh, my God. You know, uh, I don't know if it was, like, the photographer's, like, showing or something, but or why it was there. Uh, I don't know. But my friend happened to be there. And, uh, yeah, this is a mass, absolutely massive print of this of this photo. And I was able to kind of point to, to where I was. So he went back. He looked 
on this giant wall to see if he could see me, and he couldn't pick me out of the picture, but yeah, it's still pretty cool. I think that this photo is a must-have for any Pearl Jam fan. I, I, I don't have it, but I do have a birthday that's coming up that uh, I kind of want to put it on my wall somewhere, because it's just... It's... Yeah, get, get a cool uh, framed version of that. Absolutely, yeah. Um, Alright, so this is where Ed gets a little bit, you know... Uh, uh, nostalgic, and he talks a little bit about early Ernie Banks and uh, tells the story about the last time that they were there and how Ernie took his mitt. And he's like, you know what? This is a pretty nice glove. I'm going to take this home with me. And Ed was saying, oh, I, that's that's my glove when I was a kid. I, I kind of want that. And uh, But you can't really say no to Ernie Banks. But also, since Ernie Banks had passed away, uh, Ed had gotten the glove back, which is a nice, that was, that was a nice gesture. So at least to him, it, he knew it was in safe hands for a while. And that, that's a nice little story. And that, that brought us into, uh, into all the way, which, you know, is again, dedication to what he says, all the magic that's going to happen in, in this building in the next couple months. And we all know how the story ended. There was magic and Ed was right there, right in the middle of all of it, celebrating with all of them. So, I bet during this, he could only imagine half of that during this moment here. If if he knew then what he now knows and, and the spot that he would be in, he would, in that moment, I think, oof, it's so special. Well, I think Randy, too, I mean, this is a big Live on Four Legs podcast moment. I don't know if we need a sound effect or something. I don't know if you're aware, but this means that we have completed – all the way, we've covered every mm. single version of the song. We have. You're right because we did the Vic, Vic Theater. That's right. Um, yeah, I, I, there was another song that I think we did that with recently, or at least we got really close. And now I can't remember, but I'll, I'll celebrate it. Yeah, sure. Why not? So this is it. Yeah, this is yeah. cross the last, it off. We're done. Last time we'll ever talk about this song because they're never going to play it again. They don't have to. And the rest is history. So there it is. The last time you'll ever hear it. It's why does the song have to be four and a half minutes long? Like I, again, by this point, I'm I'm thinking like, oh, this is this song just goes on and on and on. This song kind of does have like a midway through feels like it's finishing vibe. Right. Right. Where he does the someday will go all the way, and it feels like it should have finished there, but he just kind of strums a little bit more and then does the whole thing again. I, I agree with that, but um, considering that, you know, the spot that the Cubs were in at the time and they're never going to play the song again, it, yeah, let it, sure. let it go. You know, it's fine. Uh, all right. So time has come for time has come today. I didn't really know what this was before hearing this. And uh, this is cool. It's a little, it's a little uh, tease not the full song, but a little bit of the uh, original version by the the Chamber Brothers. And I went back and I listened to the original, and the original's awesome. It's kind of, it's got a little bit of Credence mixed with MC5 a little bit. It, you know, the singer's like kind of chanting, and he's getting really into it. I, I, I am not aware, I don't really know much about them, but uh, it's just totally random and totally kind of ed yeah it's an ototo they've never done it before since and again i'm the same way like i remember thinking like i don't know this song 
but it must be a cover. And I had to go back and look it up afterwards. And you, yeah, you realize it's, it's been in a bunch of movies, and it's kind of a kind of one of those famous songs that kind of goes under the radar. But yeah, I thought it was great. It's, it's you know, it's upbeat and it's gets a little angry. So yeah, it's cool. Yeah, I really uh, nothing else to say about it either. It, it's it's cool. Could be shorter, but again, a lot did, of this did stuff. Did you know I mean, it at the time? Did short. you know what they were doing? No, no, not at the time. Not yeah. at the time. Uh, but uh, it, it just adds into my general overall feeling of the show, which I think just everything is kind of fitting correctly here, regardless of if I like solo Eddie stuff or not. Uh, it's working. Yeah, I, and I think it's a perfect transition into Rockin' in the Free World. I think all the momentum and energy they built with it, like they, I, I don't think coming, when, when you think of it, coming out of all the way into Rockin' in the Free World would have been great, but just that little extra emphasis makes it more of a special moment, and they use it really well in the movie, and uh, yeah, I, I, the place was rocking. There's so much energy in the building all the way up until the end. It's, it's just this party. They changed the lyrics are rocking in the free world to Cubs colors on the streets and uh, yeah it's this is where you're getting down and, and it's really kind of the show that never ends here because you think rocking and lead better and that's it but you're gonna get more and that's where you know you're you're hitting 36 songs which is that is a very high mark yeah and rocking in the free world like that's party time like the lights come on where it's the celebration of the show at this point I think Matt's kid came out and played guitar McCready was back there banging on the, the floor toms, helping out Matt. And and then after Rockin' in the Free World, they kind of have, like, a band meeting, it looked like. Like, Ed kind of gets with everyone and, like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? There was, like, a little break. I think he, he was probably getting them, you know, ready. Like, hey, we're doing I Got a Feeling after Yellow Ledbetter. So every, he kind of gets everybody on board, and then they go into Ledbetter. And, yeah, I got a feeling, like, great way to end it. I believe that that was their closer at the Metro, right? Yeah, back, again, back to that 32892 show. Yeah, holy shit, moment number eight. I remember when I got a feeling, because after Ledbetter, you're like, okay, we're done. And then they're kind of hanging out on stage, and you're like, okay. And then that riff starts, I got a feeling. It's like, whoa, okay, this is another flashback. Some yeah, people are probably great. walking out of the park at that moment, too. Yeah, I think so. I'm trying to catch and, trains. And, and, not, and not only was it, a, I think, an audible and an awesome... Uh, a way to end it, a, a different way to end it, and a surprise, which we were full of surprises. It's almost like we didn't. Did we do, why? Do, what do we do to deserve so many surprises tonight? Um, but they you just they existed turned, in the right place in the right time. Just you were you were there, and uh, they turned all the lights on, and it was like it was like daytime out there. It was almost oh, yeah. like it was almost like you started this concert at like dusk, and they went until dawn. It is is how it felt, and wow. you're just like dizzy and they're doing I got a feeling and it's like fantastic yeah it's a it's such a good song everyone's singing along everyone loves it and the lights are so bright you see every single person you've been standing next to a person the whole night you have no idea what they look like and then all of a sudden you're like oh hey nice to meet you oh Steve my brother you've been here the whole time you know it was it was amazing yeah and and you know Stick it with, with the rarity of I've Got a Feeling. They played it at the night one of Fenway, and that was the first time they busted it out in 357 shows. So, uh, you know, it's not something that they've been doing a lot, and uh, it 
they were feeling it and it was a special moment because of that and you know even even going back if, if they do it now they're usually going to close a set or, or close an encore with it and it's just it's got this like finality to it where it's you know Ledbetter is usually the final thing and, and you're kind of resigned to that but it's almost an encore three which is, is a cool little vibe but great way to end the set uh, I mean one of the biggest shows of shows of all time and uh, picking some moments and reading it is going to be uh, pretty easy but pretty difficult at the same time so why don't we uh, why don't we start off with John's top three moments since you had eight holy shit moments you gotta yeah. whittle that down to three yeah I do um, alright uh, I'll say uh, don't give me no lip number three Getting a chance to hear Stone sing, always a highlight. Let Stone sing, let Stone sing, keep it going. Uh, number two, I'll say Of the Earth, amazing, fantastic. What else can you say? And my number one, like I'm again, I'm going to cheat. I'm going to say the first thirteen songs where all nineties, I they had me going. Like I thought we were going to get the whole show with ninety songs, and yeah, that's so memorable. Like. This, What's the one moment from all that that peeks out? Is it, is it uh, footsteps or better man? It's it's that it, it might even be immortality because that was mm. maybe it or it's, you know the summertime rolls thing that we talked about going in retrospect was such like a a, a nice subtle tie in it like ties the whole thing together. But yeah, better man absolutely could be number one. Just that whole thing together. Just I was I was in heaven for thirteen songs. I mean, not much. That that sounds like uh, sounds like one of the best shows of all time. To be honest with you, when you have, this is my this is my favorite of the Wrigley shows. Yeah, for sure. I, I think this is definitely without without a doubt. This is the best Wrigley show out of, out of the five. Um, uh, just through everything, but uh, we'll get to that in a second. Matt, what what are your three? Uh, so. You know, it's really tough. I've been thinking about this kind of the whole time we've been going. And, um, yeah, I got to kind of do like a little bit of a of a cheat as well, because I don't think there are three defining moments for me, because I think this show. The whole show so in general because, is a because the, the whole show is 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 like it's it's um it's counting on these moments and every moment is placed so perfectly like all the way into rockin i'm not a rockin guy but those two back to back to close out or to to almost close out it's perfect um i'm not a sonic producer guy but it's placed perfectly oceans and last kiss these are moments that are 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 they my favorites no but guess what it added to the show it added this uh, uh it made the show better songs that I don't like made the show better. It's, it was all about these moments and, and yeah, I mean, a, a better man in the fourth spot and having it be so successful. Uh, I mean, and it's my favorite better man of all time. I mean, I just like, and I'm so happy that I was able, I could say that and I was able to say it at a show that I was at. So yeah, I just, I mean, I count this whole show as just moments playing off of each other perfectly. And I'm just, I'm so happy to have been there to see it. And that's, it's, it's tough. It's tough to pick out specific things on this one because everything is so uh, intertwined and it's like, it's so planned out almost 
it's it's it almost looks random but once you break it down and listen to it it seems like it's actually quite meticulous because of how everything works so well absolutely absolutely i think that's the best thing to take away from this is just like you know the the little throw-ins with with the 90s uh uh, stuff and and your rarities with don't give me no lip and of the earth like there's so much going on with this set that it, it's it is hard to single out like single out things and uh, I think the one that I'm thinking that I when I think of this show I think of this is of the earth because you don't get a lot of versions of of the earth and this is kind of the big moment for the song. I think this and Dublin are probably the two biggest moments that the song has had. So I, that's, that's one that I really take out of this outside of, you know, the, the big covers and all that. Um, just the mm-hmm. Lucan moment too. Cause I remember hearing stuff about the Lucan uh, uh, thing when, uh, when it happened and, and people were talking about it on, on the boards and, and the groups on Facebook. And I just, I love when Ed gets angry and, he was also composed angry, which is, is the perfect kind of angry. You know, he, he composes himself and they just take a breath breath and, and, uh, they go right back into the song. I, I love it. So I, I think, I think Lucan is such a good moment. And then it's, you know, I, and I'm kind of working backwards cause I think of the earth is definitely my number one. Um, I, I'm going to give the nod to black, red, yellow, because it's just, it's such a Chicago thing to, to bring Dennis Rodman out and you know celebrate the song that's that's literally about him and uh you know in the environment that just cherishes him he goes he's not one of these these athletes that goes everywhere and is loved by everybody he's he's the kind of guy you know you always have that player on a team where uh you know the opposing team if if he goes to the opposing team's building they're gonna boo him and he was always that guy so he's not the most popular (laughs) person in the room all the time but this chicago crowd they love him to death he did so much, and you know, and he had a very controversial time in Chicago, as we've seen in uh, in the Last Dance documentary. But it's it works it works so well for the moment. So uh, now we get the chance to rate it. And since I wasn't at the show, I'm going to go first because I think my opinion matters the least out of the three of us here. And uh, I'm just going to go off and and I'm going to give this a ten. I think this absolutely front to back. Uh, is a pretty perfect set and maybe there's some things that i disagree with maybe i don't really like got some but you know what it didn't take me out of what they were doing in the set and it didn't feel like it was lesser than if if you know what i mean that uh, you know the, the everything felt like a pretty big moment uh from this show and and the whole entire the whole entirety of the show, I, I think, is just it's going to stay. It's going to stand the test of time, and it's already been, you know, put on on a documentary, and and you know, everybody has seen it multiple times with the movie, and uh, yeah, I it it, it can't get any le- any less great in, in my eyes. I think this is a perfect ten. Yeah, ten out of ten for me. Like like I said, this is my favorite of the Wrigley shows. I've only been to nine shows total, but this might be up there number one or number two of the ones that I've seen you know I, I wasn't on the rail for this one that's a totally different experience I had a seat but doesn't make it any less special like absolutely 10 out of 10 um, Wrigley night two 2016 
gets a 10 out of 10 from Matt. Whoa! We did it, you guys. We did it. Wow! Scores all around. Oh my god! I think god. that's the first time that's ever happened on this show. And naturally, too, it's it's not yeah. that you know John or, or or I had to kind of be like, oh come on, oh come on. No, I don't even want to. I, I don't even want to really explain anymore. I mean, I was I was you know standing basically on second base uh, at Wrigley Field, one of my favorite cities, favorite towns, and this has got to be one of my favorite set lists of all time. I I really you know. Even if there's little things here that you can nitpick, it does not take away from the experience of the night. Uh, not even close. So, yeah, I, I can't in good conscience give it anything less than a perfect score. Yeah. I, I, and look, I think that was the first first show that you've ever given a 10 on this show. Yep. It's the first yeah. 10 that uh, we've ever gotten. It might be the, the only and we've done so many classic shows that you've given sevens. So that, I mean, I think that should speak a lot uh, listen, because just, I think you gave the Orpheum a seven. A lot uh, adds into, you know, uh, you know, you're at a historic place in one of your favorite cities and it's just a perfect time. And, uh, and they do things that really kind of impress you as, you know, someone who's seen the band a bunch of times when they could come out and like say, you, you know, you, you could say to yourself, Oh my God, like I've never seen this before. Then it warrants it. You know, it's perfect. Um, besides like Irving Plaza, which was just cause it was so rare and it was an avocado night. And, uh, and besides the last Fenway, just because we had such a fun day with meeting everybody, this is easily my, my favorite show. Oh yeah. This is this too. It's one of their top 15, top 20 shows of all time. And I remember, when I was leaving the building, just being just on a complete high, just natural. Yeah. Just, oh my God. What did we just see? Like just trying to recap everything and thinking about everything happened. And you know, you're, you're trying to, th- and you obviously miss things that you have to go back and get later. But I just remember sitting on the train and just, just kind of collapsing like, Oh my God, that was amazing. You know, and every, everyone's just kind of looking at each other like, yeah, we saw something special tonight. And yeah, I mean, I probably got back to the hotel at one thirty in the morning had to get up at 4 a.m., you know, got on a plane, got back to Atlanta and slept the rest of the day probably, but totally <laughs> worth it. I'm so glad we made the trip. And, you know, it's kind of interesting that it took them three tries to get the perfect show at Wrigley. Uh, you know, obviously, who knows what would have happened if 2013, if we don't get the weather like that. We talked about that. That's more of an experience show less of a setless show but this show was an everything show it was it was the setting it was the atmosphere and it was all the songs put together and how they were put together it's you you don't get much better than that that it it was it was fantastic so you know it's it's good that we had this all together because it's kind of the we we never had a formal passing of the torch from early generation to late generation and this this week or maybe like in the coming weeks is really John's anniversary of joining the show so um you know kind of give a nod to that and you know can't discredit this podcast history we're we're almost 100 episodes in we're almost 2 years in and it it was good to it was good to get the band back together like we we really have six of of the eight legs that uh, that combine to make live on four legs, if that makes any sense. 
and, and we knock it out of the park uh, again with the pun uh, with a perfect 10, uh, which is great. That's right. That's right. We'll come full circle as, you know, as we often try to do. So, Matt, we don't know when you'll be back. Hopefully soon. We'll just have to nudge you a little bit. I, I know you're not playing music very often, but uh, uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We'll see when we can, we can get you back. But we, we always want you back. You're always welcome. And uh, this especially to shows that, that you have the experience from. So thanks for uh, yeah, stopping I, by. I, I, I just do a lot of um, you know sitting around and crying now, wishing I could, I could play. But <laughs> Begging for paychecks. Do? Yeah, but we, we, this didn't really get very contentious. I mean, I think we we kind of had played it up like, oh, we're gonna go at each other. Like, but yeah, then what can you say about the show? There's there's not a lot of contentious things about it. Sorry, everybody, this was a yeah. boring episode. <laughs> <laughs> we all well, agree. And quite love the it. contrary, yeah. It's it's not like it's boring. All the content, and obviously, there's music that everybody's gonna listen to in the middle of it. It's. It's one of a lot of content and and a nice payoff at the end, yeah. However, it is it is a complete throwback to the old school live on four legs because it is a near two and a half hour episode. So, but you know what? Well, yeah. the good shows deserve to be. This absolutely deserves to be. Uh, there's so much. There's just so much, and we, you know, it was obvious we were going to do a lot of gushing over it. Yeah, you got two people that were there and me who doesn't shut up. So it's just it's a recipe for just all podcast goodness. So I'm glad I'm glad we got it. I'm glad we got to it. This was the one out of the five that I was actually looking forward towards the most because I had been listening to it on Sirius and, you know, listening to it for a couple of years. So uh, with that being said, next week. We kind of start the goodbye of Wrigley Month, even though it's not really a goodbye since there's four more episodes left. Uh, but Wrigley Night 1, 2018, you know, 2018 and 2016 are kind of completely different. And we'll get into we'll get into the, the stories of that. And, you know, we'll 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 do something kind of cool, too, which I'm not going to reveal right now. But we'll have some help uh, breaking breaking down the next two episodes. So. Continue to enjoy Wrigley Month and remember that there's so much out there that we've done this whole entire week uh, and whole entire month with interviews and, and guests from Stephen Hyden to Dr. John Evans to Jonathan Cohen and Rob Bleetstein next week. So there's so much to go back. Uh, if you're just a nut for the Wrigley shows, just listen and take all of it in because it really is fantastic. So, Matt, thanks for joining us and anything any farewell that you would like to say to the legs out there that are listening? No, just uh, keep listening. And uh, yeah, the support is fantastic. And as a former host, I'm uh, thrilled that uh, it's still going. Can't, can't say enough uh, good about it. As a current host, I'm thrilled it's still going too. <laughs> <laughs> um. And, all right, so let's close it out. Uh, this may be the end. We're here, but not for much longer. And although we may be parting ways, I miss you already, and I miss you always. Randy, Matt, John, we all together combined our forces to give this a perfect 10 average. 10, 10, 10. Averages out to be a 10. So it's a first time. It's probably an OTOTO. So until the next time it happens, we'll see you then. 
summertime rolls. Everybody had a hard year. Everybody had a good time. Everybody had a wet dream. Oh, everybody saw the cubs rise. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everybody had a good year. Everybody let their hair down. Everybody misses Andy. Everybody put the war down. Cheers. I know you know what that means. Good night. Goodbye.